Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to our latest Heartwork series called Becoming a Friend of Allah Lessons from the Life of Prophet Ibrahim. If you benefit from and appreciate the work that we do here at Roots, please consider becoming a sustainer at rootsdfw.orgslash sustain. Your contributions go a very long way in supporting the work that we do. And if you're ever in the Dallas area, please give us the honor of being able to host you. We'll have a cup of coffee for you at Suhba, inshallah and we'll be able to welcome you home in person. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi jma'in. Welcome home. Uh, we begin by praising and thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in abundant praise. And we ask that he send his peace and blessings upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, I hope inshallah that everyone is, uh, hope you're doing well, inshallah all things considered. Um, how many in here were able to attend the, the protest for Palestine for Gaza yesterday? Okay, mashallah. Um, so we are, we are at the, the conclusion of the series that we're doing called Becoming a Friend of Allah. And um, it's so interesting because it all dawned on me yesterday when someone asked me, you know, oh, what's the series about? And uh, I told them, oh, we're, we're studying the life of Ibrahim salam. And then it hit me that in Khalil, which is just a short bus ride away from Jerusalem, from Masjid Al-Aqsa, is a masjid called Masjid Khalil. And in fact, the city is called Khalil because Khalil in Arabic means close friend. And that is the place where the station and the burial site of Prophet Ibrahim is. And so it's just so um, remarkable, subhanAllah, that we are like in the depths of studying the life of this Prophet and trying to extract as much as we can from his, his lessons. And then at the same time, we're obviously dealing with a very real uh, situation that is on the minds and hearts of every Muslim pretty much across the world. Uh, and if, if it's not, then that's a that's a problem, and we'll talk about that. Um, and I just figured that, subhanAllah, it's, it's, it's a moment for us to not only finish the, the, the series and talk about Prophet Ibrahim and the conclusion of this passage that we'll be doing today, but also to extend that and to try to see, as a community, what we can learn from his life in particular that's going to help us through this moment. Um, I want it to be very, very clear that everybody who is here is living through history. And when I say that, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I want everyone to understand and to think for a moment about 10, 20 years from now, the types of people that will be talking about the situation that's happening today and the stories that will be told. And as everyone is saying you know, online or in advocacy, they're saying whether or not they would be on the right side of history, right? And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, we uh, are seeing record numbers of people attending, of people going and advocating and demonstrating. We're also seeing record numbers of people posting. Everyone's timeline on Instagram looks like a bunch of dots because everyone is continuously sharing. And it's never been, I'm 35 years old, I've lived through uh, many different incursions on the Palestinian people in Gaza, and uh, it's never been, I would say, this widespread. Even 
you have people, artists, celebrities, uh, some of them even are not Muslim, are not, they have no ostensible ties to the region, but they're advocating and using their voice to talk about the issue. So it is a really, and I don't mean this in a positive way, I just mean this in a factual way, it is an incredible time to be alive and to be able to utilize your dua and your voice for something that is bigger than yourself. So we'll talk about that inshallah as we conclude. And I want to go over not only what Ibrahim salam teaches us, but also how you and I can look at this scenario and this situation and how many of you are feeling uh, pain in your heart as you see the videos and pictures. It's almost like you go to sleep tired and you wake up tired. And we'll talk about that inshallah, but there is always going to be some ease with the difficulty in the ma'al usri yusra Allah Ta'ala promised us. So I wanted to finish by framing what we can do in this moment to try to think about the situation, not naively and not whitewash it, but to think about it with hope and with optimism and reality that's anchored in reality. So we are at the point where Ibrahim salam is and has made a dua to Allah to grant him from his progeny, from his offspring, a messenger. And he asked Allah to make this messenger one that would recite to people the verses, meaning affiliate them with the Qur'an, to give them some sort of understanding of the Qur'anic message, and to purify them, and then to be able to teach them the book, the scripture of Allah Ta'ala, as well as the wisdom, which is the application of that book. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala then mentions in the next verse that whoever would reject the faith of Ibrahim, anybody who looks at this path and this faith and this uh, way of connectedness to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, of sincerity and faith, Allah describes that person as a foolish person or describes that mindset, I should say, as a foolish mindset. And we finished on this last week, and I wanted to start here again, because I think it's important to be said with a little bit more explanation. And that is that in your life, you may have been made to feel strange or awkward or even unintelligent for being a person that ascribes to some kind of religious practice. You know, whether it's what you eat or what you drink or how you dress or taking a break to pray or the act of fasting in Ramadan, or going on Hajj, all of these things in some shape or way or form are like up for scrutiny by the general public. I mean, you know, um, comedians, right, Muslim comedians that shall go unnamed, have made like entire livings and Netflix specials off of telling the story, or the stories, maybe not their own, uh-oh, of, but somebody's stories, of the ridicule that comes along with being this community, right? Now, whether it is particularly this Muslim community or the, 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 the brown community or the black community, the non-white community, essentially, it, it remains to be the case that Islam is kind of always in the crosshairs. Um, I'll never forget when I spoke at a church in Southlake and... Um, I, I just talked about the Prophet Sallallahu life, and I was very uh, confident. I, didn't, I wasn't waffling about his life. I didn't say, we believe. We believe. I said, no, God says. And I didn't say our prophet. I said, the prophet of God. 
spoke with confidence. And I remember after this guy came up to me and he told me that what you said, what you said shook my heart. And he goes, I'm a Christian. But what you said, and all I did was quote Quran and Hadith. That's it. Just Quran, Hadith, Quran, Hadith. And he said, but what you said shook my heart. And I looked at him and I was like, man, is this the moment where he converts right here in front of his church? You know? And then he looks at me and he goes, but I curse you in your book. And I was like, okay, well, kind of had like that moment where I was like, I was like leaning in for the hug and he was like, get away. So the point being is that even if something resonates, there still is a conditioning. There's a conditioning, right? That a person who submits to something beyond themselves and then forget even other religions. Now it's the greatest religion in civilization, which is the religion of self-worship. So if somebody does something that goes beyond what their desires typically seek, it's seen as foolish, right? And so Ibrahim, again, his hallmark, like his characteristic that he had was that he submitted to Allah, not to himself. But we're taught time and time again, through and through, that follow your desires, obey your thirst, right? Even down to the candy bars, hungry, why wait? Imagine seeing a commercial in Ramadan, hungry, why wait? You're like, because, man, I want to go to hell. <laughs> like, I'm not going to break my fast. So whether it's through media, pop culture, or even advertising, the entire, the, the strings that they play are the strings of the nafs. Submit and obey and follow yourself. But Ibrahim's trademark, his lifeline, his, his heart was all about submitting to Allah, not to himself. And so Allah Ta'ala says that for the person that thinks that submitting to God is foolish, no, that person's foolish. That person doesn't realize what they're missing. He's not ridiculing and making fun of them. He's saying that it's so foolish for a person to just push away such opportunity to actualize and to come to know Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And he says that certainly, that we chose him. We chose Ibrahim. Anyone who follows him is following Allah. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was chosen to be a prophet, his community had no issue with many things. But one of the things they had an issue with was that they didn't like the fact that they weren't the chosen one. They wanted the, they wanted the special selection for themselves. But the Prophet ﷺ got that selection because of who he was, Wasallam. And so Allah here reminds us that these people that you're following, they're, just, they're not just everybody. They're not just your average person. You're following prophets of God. And then he continues. When, he, when, he, when his Lord ordered him to submit, he said, I submit to the Lord of the world. That's the ultimate, that's the thesis statement of the life of a person who follows the way of Ibrahim and the way of the Prophet Then Allah Ta'ala continues. This was the advice of Ibrahim as well as Ya'qub. There's no difference between them. See, Allah Ta'ala, it's so interesting. Every single Abrahamic religion tries to erase the one coming after it. Right? Or the one before it. But Islam is the only religion that says that we acknowledge and accept the books that came before. We actually worship God who we believe sent scripture down through those same prophets. But if you talk to the the, the people of Musa, they didn't accept Isa. And if you talk to I, the people of Isa, they don't accept Muhammad. But if you talk to the people of Muhammad, we accept everybody. 
right? We love all of them. And that's one thing that makes us unique is that every day, look at any other faith tradition, which other faith tradition, when they mention a prophet of another faith tradition, they say, may God's peace be upon him. And they wish that upon them. Look at the, we have an entire chapter in the Quran named Mary, named Maryam, right? We take her as a role model, both men and women, and we say, may God's peace be upon her. This is something that Allah Ta'ala gave us. And so he's reminding us and everybody who's reading this ayah that the Muslims are not exclus exclusionary and exclusive people. We told, this was the advice of Ibrahim as well as Yaqub to their children saying, indeed Allah has chosen you for this faith. So do not die except in a state full of submission. How many of you, your parents, if you were born Muslim, your parents when they were raising you, made you do certain things that at the time you were like, I don't get it. And now you're like, I get it. Anybody? Halloween's coming up. Anybody? Think deep. Okay? You know, there are a lot of those conversations when you get older, you realize the wisdom as to why certain lines were drawn. And those lines could be all over the place. And I'm not saying they were all right, because some are more cultural and some, but the ones that were based in preserving your religion, as you get older, and this is a very vulnerable space, I want you guys to feel this for a second. As you get older, you realize that you start to see the wisdom and why certain lines were drawn. You start to see it. And then, you want to get real, real? How many, in you, how many of you in here have kids? You start to draw the same lines for your kids that your parents drew for you. We just had a conversation yesterday about Halloween. My kids are like, Baba, are we going trick-or-treating? I'm not going to tell you what I said, because I'm not a fool. No. I said, they said, do we celebrate Halloween? I said, no. Of course not. And then I was like, yes. No, I'm joking, right? I said, absolutely not. And they said, but we want to go trick-or-treating. I said, we can collect candy. Can we wear costumes? I was like, you can wear a kufi and a hijab. You can be Muslims, but we're not celebrating Halloween. We are visiting our neighbors, which is what, the, what Islam teaches us. We are doing dawah, and Allah is giving us fun-sized Snickers bars. <laughs> and again, right, because they're kids, you know, there's a lot of tightrope walking that you have to do, okay? And again, if they don't bring it up, I don't take them. It's kind of one of those things where I, but some people are like, it's just easier, man. They're just kids. Just let them. Just let them, man. Just let them dress up. Let them do the whole thing. Happy Halloween, trick-or-treat, this and that. But, and I'm not criticizing anyone's parenting here or anyone's upbringing. Because guess what? My, my upbringing included a little bit of Halloween, trick-or-treating. Until my mom got religious and then everything fell apart. <laughs> the Halloween stuff. I don't know if you guys have that, you guys have that same transformation, that born-again experience. So, but the point being is that I really value that identity now that my mother placed in me. I value that identity that she placed to me, that when I'm in a public place, I don't mind to get up and pray. And when I'm, when I'm asked my name, when I was younger, I was a little bit shy. I have more letters in my first name than some of you have in your full name. It's okay, it's just the light switches. It's over there by whoever hit it. Yeah, so, okay, thanks. And someone's leaning on it, but that's okay. So the point being, is that when I was asked my name, in the beginning it was, okay, well, how do I explain this? How do I spell it out? How do I tell them to pronounce it? 
And now there's a level of confidence that's there, right? So you will understand why your parents did certain things. And now you realize why Ibrahim and Yaqub and all the messengers told their children, you have to hold on to this. You have to hold on to this. This is not something that you can let go. And you have that responsibility yourself to make sure and ask yourself, am I the kind of person that can pass this down to my kids? Do I know enough? Do I pray enough? Do I have enough faith in my own faith <laughs> to be able to hand this off to the children that I have? And if you don't have kids, you're not out of the woods because you have to start developing that now. It's very hard to catch up once you have kids. So you have to, you have to start building yourself to become the spouse and the parent that you want to be Islamically right now. Because by the time you have a young one, it's not easy for you to start to build up and to, he loves looking at himself. It's not easy for you to start to catch up when your kids are there. And Allah Ta'ala will bless you a little bit and he'll give you something. Yesterday we were at Musa's soccer game and my daughter Iman, who's very outspoken, you know, the other day she did the most amazing thing, man, subhanAllah. And I swear to you, I know I'm an imam, but I don't, I don't force her to do anything. I don't force her to pray. I don't do any of that. Nothing. Hijab, nothing. She comes downstairs and she goes, Mama, I want to go to the park. And Marine's like, all right, let's go. And she goes, hold on, give me my hijab. And I was like, why? And she's like, I want everyone to know I'm Muslim. And I was like, that's cute, mashallah. You know, and I was like, kind of happy. And, you know, and then yesterday it went a little too far. Jokingly, but it did. We get to the soccer game and she goes, literally announces, is anyone here Muslim? <laughs> and I was like, luckily, we brought snacks for the team. And so I concluded her statement by saying, because our snacks don't have pork in it. <laughs> and then everyone started laughing. But the point is, I'd rather take a little bit of overconfidence than complete lack of confidence. I'd rather take that. Indeed, Allah has chosen you for this faith. So do not die except for in a state of full submission. This is what Allah Ta'ala mentions. And it's interesting, subhanAllah, that this same phrase is recited by the Prophet Sallallahu at wedding ceremonies. This same phrase. It's such a hyper-focus, right? SubhanAllah. Or did you witness when death came to Yaqub, he asked his children, who will you worship after my passing? That was the last thing he thought about. That was the last thing he asked his kids. They replied, we will continue to worship your God, the God of your fathers, Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, the one God, and to him we all submit. That was a community that had already gone before. Allah Ta'ala now is saying, they have done what they have done. For them is what they have earned. You're not going to inherit any of that. You have to make that decision for yourself. They made that decision, now it's your time to make your decision. And you will not be accountable for what they have done. You're not going to benefit necessarily and inherit those decisions just because you came from that lineage. No, you actually have to step in yourself. The Jews and the Christians each say, follow our faith to be rightly guided. Say to the Prophet ﷺ, no, we follow the faith of Ibrahim, the upright who was not a polytheist. Say, O believers, we believe in Allah and what has been revealed to us. And what was revealed to Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, and his children, his descendants. And what was given to Musa and Isa. See this, this is Allah just wrapping the whole conversation up. That we're not going to choose either side. We choose everybody. 
We're not going to choose, oh, we're going to choose the, the scripture of Isa or this. No, we accept all of it because we understand that they all came from Allah. We make no distinction between any of them. We don't say that certain Muslims or certain prophets, or we don't say that Musa was better than Isa because that's what they say. Right? The people of Bani Israel who follow the Torah, they say what? Musa was a prophet. Isa was not a prophet. People who are adopting of the Christian faith say, we accept Jesus as the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. We don't accept the message of Moses. We don't do that kind of stuff. We respect and revere and love each and every prophet. You're going to meet Muslims all over the world whose names are Musa, Isa, Ibrahim, Ya'qub, Ismail. These are all pre-Muhammadan names. But the Prophet ﷺ, he said what? We don't differentiate between any of them. And to Allah, we all submit. So if they believe in what you believe, then they will be rightly guided. This is what? The invitation now. Come on over. Come on. Just accept Muhammad. You're good. This religious group came in a trilogy. You've watched the first two movies. Just finish it with the third one. And you'll be fine. But if they turn away then they are opposed to the truth. Allah will spare you their evil, for he is all-hearing, all-knowing. Now, this is the line that I wanted to end on. This is a very interesting word in Arabic. Sibagatullah, it actually translates, it says natural way, but if you look at this translation, it says color. It actually means a dye. Have you guys ever done like tie-dyeing? Or you dyed a shirt. Yeah, right? What happens when something gets dyed by a, fat, by a color on a fabric? Does that color remain? It stays. And it's there forever now. That shirt is completely and totally marked. When Allah describes the faith of people who adhere and submit, He describes it like a dye. Which means what? You can't go anywhere except that that color is shown on who you are. So a person who submits to Allah, a Muslim... They are identifiably Muslim in every scenario. And that's why it's so important for us to adopt the mindset that we're not going to try to hide who we are. That identification is something that we carry on forward in every scenario, in every situation. And I wanted to transition here because it's very easy to identify as a Muslim and as a believer when times are good. You know, if like Muslims are doing great things with great causes and there's no friction and everything's nice. You know, in Ramadan, you show up with samosas to work and you're like, I'm Muslim. And everyone's like, wow. And they're all happy and everyone's excited. You know, we tell our friends about it, talk to our neighbors. I don't know how many of you guys give your neighbors like Ramadan or Eid snacks and things like that. Those are good times. But what about when your brothers and sisters are being bombed? Does the dye still show? Or is that when it's convenient to kind of just kind of take a hiatus for a little bit? Because Ibrahim, his color showed in every scenario. Whether things were good or whether they weren't. Whether times were easy or tough. Now the thing is, that's what makes all of this work. An undying, absolutely unconditional, absolutely real commitment to the truth. And if you want to taste the sweetness of Iman and benefit from that sweetness, then you have to be consistent in it at all times. You have to be consistent. You can't just pray when you need something. You have to pray when you got what you needed. 
You can't just give sadaqah when you have money. You have to give sadaqah when times are a little tough. When you did a little bit too much Dave's hot chicken. You still have to give. You have to make dua not just for yourself but for others. That color has to be with you all the time. I want to switch gears now and talk about the test that we're all going through. And I want to begin by first saying that it should be a test for everybody. It should be difficult. What are some of the emotions that you guys are feeling? Share, you can raise your hand. What are some of the emotions that you guys are feeling? Whoever wants to share. When you see the, the posts, the pictures, the videos. Yeah. Heartbreak. Anyone else feel heartbreak? Raise your hand if you feel heartbreak when you see the information that's coming out. Yes. Anyone else want to share? Yeah. Angry, right? And there's a place for anger. Absolutely. Sometimes we try to stifle anger. No, no, no. No, there's a place for anger. Anger for the sake of who? For the sake of justice, for the sake of what is true, for the sake of our brothers and sisters, for the sake of Allah. Yes. Betrayal. Absolutely. That's there as well. we'll we're going to point on that for one second, inshallah. Yes. Stress. Very. How many of you are stressed out? It's so interesting, subhanAllah. You want to know something? This is a sign that your iman is good. If you feel stressed out, if you feel these emotions are being moved within you, and you are not there, you're not the one that's receiving the attacks, you're not the one whose water is being cut off or electricity is being shut off, but you feel actually something like somatically in your body, that's a sign that your faith is, mashallah, super strong. That your heart is super healthy and alive, inshallah. But that's not the end of the journey. Anyone else? A couple more? Yeah. It's so hard to carry on and move forward when you know what's happening. You know, you just log into your e work email and they're like, can you send that report? And you're like, I don't want to do anything. Right? Excellent. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, again, that, that lack of presence that you expected, particularly from people from the community, right? Maybe celebrities or people that are well-known. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. There's a little bit of betrayal there that you might feel. Yeah. Feel guilty. Why? Yeah. SubhanAllah. That guilt is there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the tax dollar situation. Am I implicitly contributing to this? Right? What am I doing? How am I how am I a part of this? Yes. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Mm. 
Yeah. So there's obviously devastation, but you're like thinking about it in an optimistic way that the tide is a little bit changing, perhaps. We'll talk about that at the very end. So we have one last one, and then we'll get to Yeah, go ahead. Mm. SubhanAllah. He thought that all the fancy gadgets and the internet and everything we have meant that we were civilized. And then you realize that we're not. One of my friends, Sheikh Mahmoud from Minnesota, he's at Penn right now getting his PhD, he said the most beautiful thing ever. He said the ummah right now is being collectively gaslit. We're being made to feel like we're the crazy ones. And you look everywhere and you're like, what? Are you not seeing the same thing that we're seeing? And then there's the, 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 the moment of being made to see on all of the mainstream media and everywhere this direct opposition to what you're seeing. And the, the absolute spin and the twist and the barbaric... Uh, retelling of the same story but from a side that's almost just pure evil subhanallah and so that feeling is so deflating and so demoralizing so what I wanted to do tonight I only have a little bit more time I wanted to take 10 minutes to talk about how to how to use the faith of Ibrahim to see this in a different way the first thing that we have to understand about this guys is that tests are a reality Allah Ta'ala says here, I pulled up the ayah, Part of the reality in life, and this is not me justifying or projecting onto the bombs being dropped. I'm talking about existentially. Tests are a part of life. Every single thing that we see here in this world, if it's difficult, if it's bitter, it's something that has some kind of divine stratagem. Allah Ta'ala here says, Allah Ta'ala has placed tests in the lives of people as a means of seeing which people are truthful and which ones were lying. So when we look at the idea of a fitna from like a grand scheme of things, you know the word fitna in Arabic typically was used technically for a person that would purify gold. They would take the raw gold that they found in the earth, they would place it in like the hottest of fires, and they would burn and they would melt away all of the impurities that were attached to the precious metal. And so the betrayal that you're talking about is very interesting. Because one of the things that we learn about in the Quran and in the Hadith is that Allah uses tests to show us who we really are. And it's so interesting because as painful as it is to see the people that you expected to show up and be using their platform to talk about what's right. In reality, Allah Ta'ala is doing a favor to those who are searching for justice by saying, you shouldn't depend on these folks any much, much anymore. You should rather turn your trust and your reliance on who? On Allah. Like every one of us, when LeBron put out that tweet, we were like, seriously? Seriously, and he has a picture of himself reading the autobiography of Malcolm X on that first page, though. That's the thing. We don't have any pictures of any page beyond that. Man, those light switches need a box around them. Everyone had disappointment when they saw that slew, those statements that came out over and over again, completely and totally erasing the Palestinians from reality, from, 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 from visual reality. But maybe that's a reminder that we're actually the problem. Maybe we pinned our hopes and dreams on people that weren't worth it. 
And maybe we realize that when it comes to the real issues, like our morality, where we put our money, where we put our love, where we put our energy, who we pay to go see on a Friday night, maybe we remember this moment as a way that was a furqan for us. It was a criterion, right? And we understand. And then there are others that, subhanAllah, they came and showed out. There are people that did what the others didn't have the courage to do. So Allah Ta'ala describes that. Now look at the next verse. He says, Or do those people that do evil think that they will escape us? And this is one of the concerns that I think everybody in here who's devastated has. Are these people just going to get away with it again? Allah reminds the people being tested. Remember this. It's right after the ayah being tested. He says, do the evildoers think that they're going to escape us? How wrong they are. How wrong they are. Allah Ta'ala has every record. You know the angel that we have on our shoulders writing down everything? You know every IDF soldier has those angels too, right? You know every person hitting the button to drop the bombs has those angels too, right? Those angels are busy. And those angels are writing everything down. And whether or not that justice happens in this life, Allah Ta'ala is promising us He's not forgetful. Allah promises in the Quran, your Lord never forgets. For the people who are believers, it's, it's, a, it's a consolation. We feel happy. Allah never forgets. For the people that do wrong, it's an intimidation. They feel scared. Allah never forgets. Allah Ta'ala, when he mentions the pain that a person feels in their heart, he's speaking to the Prophet ﷺ. You know, the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, he had to witness. A lot of us feel like maybe no one knows how we feel. You know the Prophet ﷺ had to walk by and see companions die in front of him? He had to see people die simply because they said we believe in him. The first two martyrs of Islam, Sumayya and Yasir anhumah, he had to watch them be tortured to death right in front of him. And he had no political power. He was completely and totally politically out of power in that moment in Mecca. He couldn't do anything. So every day he had to walk back and forth. Like, think about us. We're scrolling up and down. And how helpless do you feel? The Prophet ﷺ knows that feeling. When you and I meet him in Jannah, say, inshallah, we'll be able to discuss this helplessness. We'll cry together. And we'll ask him, Ya Rasulullah, how did you do it? How did you keep yourself together walking by as Sumayya was being speared, as Yasir was being chopped, as they were being left out in the hot sun, as Bilal was being laid out with a boulder on his chest saying, Ahadun Ahad. How were you able to do it? Where did you find that strength from? And Allah tells us in the Quran that as big as your heart is and as much as this hurts you and me, it hurt him even more. Because his heart for the ummah, as great as ours is, was much greater. Allah Ta'ala says this. He says, we know that your heart is distressed. We, we know that your heart is distressed by what these people are saying. They're all saying these things about you. They're making you feel a certain type of way. They're uttering these phrases that are lies. They're, making, they're gaslighting you, right? I know that we would never see that in the book of Sirah. The Prophet was gaslit. But he really was. He was made to feel crazy. You know, he was made to feel so crazy... How many of you have felt crazy when you're reading stuff and you're like, is, are they seeing what I'm seeing? Are they not seeing the constant stream of bodies being carried in? They don't even have ambulances anymore. 
the Prophet ﷺ was made to feel crazy that Allah Himself had to say, "Ma anta bi rabbika bi You're not crazy. You're not crazy. Yes, you are being gaslit. They are lying to you. They are making you feel this way. You and the Prophet ﷺ are going to have a lot to talk about, inshallah. But the good thing is, at the end of those tears, there's going to be smiles. Because part of our belief and part of our understanding is two parts. Number one, we believe that Allah will give us victory and justice always. Always. And just like you said, Habib, you can see the tide is turning. I'll share some stories with you, inshallah, at the end. Because I want us all to leave here hopeful. You can tell, I cry all the time. I'm trying to hold back. I don't know. I don't know if you can hear my voice breaking. I'm trying to hold back because I know if I cry, we're all going to cry. So I'm trying to hold it in. I can't make any promises, <laughs> right? The tide is turning. I'll share with you some funny stories that are, I've been to Quds now five times. And I'll share with you at the end because I think there's something powerful to talk about. But look at a couple things that I want all of us to share. How many of you guys have seen the experience in Gaza of death. How many of you have scrolled and seen the death of somebody or a person that lost their life? Can I tell you what happened to them? Can I share with you from the unseen what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them in that moment? You know, we learned about the buildings collapsing and we learned about them being bombed and destroyed and cars being attacked and bullets flying. That's from this dunya. But let's go ahead and just wipe that away for a second. Get rid of all the rubble. Get rid of all the bullets and all the rockets. And I want you to picture a blank slate with just souls. And coming from the sky, Allah Ta'ala says, That those people that said our Lord is Allah and they remained firm on it. And if you hear some of these people, subhanAllah, what they say, they say, we are Muslims. We're not leaving. And they'll say, we're going to die here. Tell them that people believed in Allah, they lived here. They didn't move. Their die, their sibra, it was strong. At that moment of death, when their soul is being taken out, we see rubble, we see destruction, they see the smiling faces of angels. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. You don't have to fear. You've been in fear for the past 10 days, for the past 2 years, for the past 17 years, you've been locked in this prison. No more fear anymore. The angels come down with smiling faces. Wala tahzanu. Don't be sad. I know that you've been going to sleep every night worrying that you're not going to wake up. I know that every time you see bodies coming in, you're afraid that one of them is your brother, your cousin, your wife, your mom, your child. And yes, it's true. You're no longer there. But don't be sad. But I want you to know that that pain that you just left is being replaced completely and totally with Jannah. That's what you've been promised. That's that moment. So the bodies that you're seeing that are lifeless, it's true. Those bodies don't have souls in them anymore. But the souls that were in those bodies are soaring to the heavens with the angels and they're smiling. Wallahi, they're smiling. 
because they've been given Jannah. They're being taken out of that. When we see these things, I want you to think that. Now, look, this doesn't mean that we're okay with it, but it is how we understand it. Our religion tells us to fight for justice, but when someone succumbs to injustice, we don't become hopeless. We know that there's a longer play. There's more at hand. The angels are taking them by the hand. And then they said, We were supporting you. We were there for you in this life and we will be there in the next life with you. You didn't have water for the last three days. You didn't have electricity. You had to leave your home and see it get destroyed. Which mansion do you want? Which fountain are you going to drink from? You're going to drink from the hands of the Prophet ﷺ from Kawthar. Oh, people of Gaza, you're going to drink from his hands. The Israelis cut off your water. Don't worry, the Prophet ﷺ is never going to cut off his water. You get to be his neighbor in Jannah. You didn't have your house. You saw it get destroyed. You got your keys taken from you in your village and you were forced to live in this area. You're going to be with the Prophet ﷺ. Don't worry, your olive trees are waiting for you there. The same olive trees. This is all from Allah, the one who's most forgiving and the one who's most merciful. And that's why you see these people. Their response, they know these verses like we know our favorite lines from a movie. And that's why when you watch them, there are tears, there's sadness, there's pain, because they're human beings. But would you ever expect to see, among some of them, the resilience and the strength that they have? Look at what Allah Ta'ala says. Those who were warned, this is another Surah Ali Imran, when Allah talks about the conflict between the Muslims and their enemies. Those who were warned, your enemies have mobilized against you, they're coming, they're coming, the sirens are going off, so fear them, right? They're trying to put fear into the hearts of these believers. Allah Ta'ala says what? Fazadahum imanan. Their faith grows. Anyone seen the video of the people in Gaza dancing in the streets? Or the man that's making the baby laugh? Or the kids that are smiling, wearing whatever clothes they can find? Fazadahum imanan. You know, if these people knew, when I say people, I mean the idea. If they knew the value of the iman in the hearts of these people, they would just give up the war right now. Because they would realize by doing this, they're just, they're just increasing their faith. فَزَادَهُمْ إِمَانًا وَقَالُوا what? حَسْبُنَ اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ I put my trust in Allah. He's going to take care of me. He's enough for me. And what a great guardian he is. All of this all of these verses that I've shared with you, just four verses, are shared in this one video that I saw today and it broke me. So naturally, I'm going to share it with you. If you don't want to see it, I understand, don't look at it. But the, the, the video is in Arabic. It's of a, a mother who's sending a voice note and she wants people to hear this message. I understand if you don't want to hear it, I understand, no judgment at all. I get it. But I think 
per her request that I want whoever wants to hear it to hear it. And I want to share with you one thing as you're listening to it. Many times we think that they are weak and we are strong and we have to somehow transfer our strength to them. What our mother here says to us is no. <laughs> she says we're strong and we're giving our strength to you. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ talked about when he talked about this faith. الحمد لله رب العالمين أنا فاهم إنك بتبعت عشان الثبتيني وتقوي عزيمتي بس أنا بأكد لك إنه إحنا على أرض الواقع إحنا اللي بدنا نقوي الناس اللي برا لأنه إحنا الحمد لله وصلنا إحنا وصلنا والحمد لله عقدتنا ثبتت والله ورجانا أشياء بحينا الليلة والحمد لله هيك read the, the subtitles at least. كانت قطع شظايا اصوات مخيفه لكن الحمد لله ولا واحد من اولادي صحي رحمه باطفالنا الله الله اكبر من الجميع لا تقلقي علينا وادعوا لنا واحنا يعني احنا بدنا نثبتكم بدنا نثبتكم ونقول لكم يا رب تصلوا مرحله انكم تكونوا زينا يا رب She's praying that Allah gives us their strength. She says, I hope that Allah gives you our strength because <laughs> she knows it's harder for us to see this than for them who are going through it. أنا حاسس بالدموت بقول له لا يا ما تقول هيك لا بقول له حاسس بالدموت بس مش بالدموت بدي أروح أرتفع خلاني أبكي بكاء شديد سبحان الله عمري ما سمعت كلمة من طفل وكأنه الملائكة يعني بتنطقه زي أم فرعون ما ابن She's referencing the story in the hadith where Fir'aun was trying to punish one of the people in his in his kingdom that was a Muslim and there was a mother with a young child and he was going to punish them by throwing them into a vat of boiling oil and she was afraid and her baby spoke to her. The Prophet said, this is one of the infants that spoke and the baby said, mother, don't be afraid. Allah will take care of us. And so she's saying that my three-year-old looked at me and said, I feel like we're going to die, but we're going to be lifted, that we're going to be taken up. And she said it made me cry because I remembered the story of that woman. And then as she's talking, there's bombing that's happening. She says, so do not worry, do not be afraid. My only request to you is that everybody you meet in your life until the day that you die is that you tell them. And this is what she says, your children, everybody, that there were people here who said 
that there is no God but Allah. And they followed the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to put it back on the screen, inshallah. احنا بنحارب في امريكا نفسها اللي دول عظمى احنا بنحارب زي الفرس والروم فلا تقلقوا علينا قولنا اذا متنا شهداء ادعوا لنا اذا عشنا والله اكرمنا كمان ادعوا لنا بالثبات الثبات الارض المعركه المعركه صعبه كثير 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 فوق الخيال خاصه لنا كنساء واطفال ادعوا لنا الله يفرجها علينا سمع كل الكلام هذا سمع اي حدا يقولوا لهم حسبي الله she finishes by saying حسبي الله ونعم الوكيل I wanted to share this with you again because the reality is that many of us when we see their situations we lose our sense of hope but I want to share with you a few things that I think are very interesting and some stories I think that will help inshallah put some some context to this as was mentioned the tide is turning I've been to Palestine five times. The first time we went, we took 50 people. Subsequently, each year, we took more and more people. Up until this year, we had to cancel our trip because of the, the bombing that's happening. It happens in Thanksgiving. We had over 200 people registered. We reserved four hotels in, in, in Jerusalem. This is the largest group that we've taken. I know Sheikh Asr Qadi and others have done like 250, 300. This is unheard of. This is unheard of. And when you get to the airport, when you're going through, there's a little bit of delay, but really the most delay, if anyone's ever been before, is on the way out. If you fly out of the airport, it's on the way out. They treat you so interestingly. And they take everything they can out of your bag and they open up everything. It's like the most invasive thing ever. So I asked the guy who's doing it. He's an IDF soldier. He's taking out my stuff. This is the first year of the second year. And he looks at me and he says, I say, why are you doing this? Wouldn't it make more sense for you to check all my stuff on the way in? Why are you checking it on the way out? And he just smiles at me like that smug smile. And I look at him and I say, are you doing this so that we don't come back? Are you trying to make my last memory here like a sad memory? Like, I don't want to go through that again. And then he gives me like an even more smug smile. I could have taken him, by the way. He gives me like a more smug smile. And I look at him and I, I look at him right in the eyes and I say, because they speak a little Arabic. I say, Wallahi, we're coming back every year and we're doubling it every year. And I've never seen a smile melt away so fast in my life. But I, I want you to understand, that's a small moment of how your faith and your resilience can absolutely squash whatever level, whether it's macro or micro. There are People, the internet, you know, the social media inclinations, the blanket support of Israeli social media posts, the shadow banning, right? Everyone's posting with algorithm. You know, everyone's posting like pictures of like pumpkin pie algorithm, right? <laughs> Just trying to clear it. I was speaking to somebody, mashallah, who works in the upper levels at Meta. And he was saying that there are over 100 engineers, Muslim and non, that gather together and work after work work on Saturdays and Sundays, and their job is to go and to deconstruct all of these biases that are built into these systems. These Muslim engineers, not being paid for this, are fighting from within their own company to deconstruct these unethical, 
biases that are being programmed, right? Stuff that's really important, subhanAllah. There was a person, as soon as I started getting shadow banned, he messaged me, he said, I work at Meta, send me your log and I'll take care of it. Or send me when you got banned, I'll take care of it. And this guy, like his name, his last name is Nabulsi, right? From Nablus. And these are the moments, these, the, these are the opportunities that we're seeing that weren't there 10 years ago. I'll finish with one last story because it's time for Isha. And this one's emotional, <laughs> so I'll try. Um, I grew up, I'm 35 years old. I don't look it, I know. I grew up in my masjid, in my Islamic school. There were three giant pictures in near the bookstore. There was a picture of Masjid Haram in Mecca. There was a picture of Masjid Nabu in Medina. And there was a picture of Masjid Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. And I distinctly remember having conversations because we would occasionally, once every, I don't know, seven, eight years or so, get to go to Umrah as a family. So we've been to Mecca, we've been to Medina, and a group of friends had all gone. We'd stare at the Dome of the Rock, we'd stare at Aqsa, and we would actually say with our own tongues, we'll never get to go there. Like, we'll never get to go. And now, like I just told you guys, I've been five times. Alhamdulillah. Now, this isn't a flex. There's a part to this that I want to share with you. My childhood upbringing was the assumption that I'll never get to go. Why even bother? Why think about it? And then Allah opened doors, and now as an adult, I've been, we've taken groups, alhamdulillah. The other day, Musa asked me, Baba, which masjid is that? Because he's been for Umrah. I said, Baba, it's Masjid Al-Aqsa. He goes, where is it? I said, it's in a place called Jerusalem, Al-Quds, in Palestine. And he goes, Baba, can we go? And I had like this out-of-body moment where I was like, yeah, we're going to go. And I didn't even introduce him to the notion that he's not welcome there. I want him to grow up from age six realizing that Qudsulana, Jerusalem's ours, Al-Aqsa's ours. If he grows up never thinking opposite, never thinking otherwise, what will his kids, what will his children think? And what will their children think? This is something that was not even imaginable 50 years ago. You know who the most emotional people are? when we take our trips to Quds, the seniors. Because they lived through decades of conflict where they genuinely thought we'll never be able to go. You and I now, visas, American passports, you know the Pakistani uncles and aunties? You know what it says on your passport? Do you guys know? Pakistan is based for this. You know what it is? On the bottom of every page, the Pakistani passport says, valid in every country except Israel. They don't mess around. Right? There's some other things we can work on, but they don't mess around. <laughs> right? So as soon as that Pakistani uncle and auntie gets that American passport and they sign up for Quds, I want to tell you, like, they literally are like, pinch me. I can't believe I'm here. Because as a, as a child growing up in Karachi and going to college in, you know, Lahore and then doing this and then moving to America and then finally getting, I never did the math and thought that I'd be able to go. And it's beautiful because when you go and say, inshallah, we're all going to go. Say, inshallah. You know, they're buying out planes and sending their reservists back. We're going to buy out planes too. I have no doubt. Inshallah. When you go there, 
and you talk to the Palestinians in, you know, Putz Qadim, the old city, you ask them, like, what do you want more than anything from us? We'll do it. We'll get you money. We'll get you whatever you need. You know what they say? They say, don't stop visiting and tell everyone to visit. They say, we feel like the orphans of the Ummah. People go to Mecca, Medina, and they forgot about us. And instead of planning to come here, they skip us and go to Istanbul. And they're like, what's up with that? They're like, we feel like the orphans of the Ummah. Tell them never, ever to forget about us. Please come back. The first year we went, f five years, or the first of my five years, the Mesh al-Aqsa for Fajr had one line. One line. You guys know Mecca, Medina? How early you have to walk out to go in the masjid? You could show up at Mesh al-Aqsa right before they start, you're in the front row. Then five years later, that one line was 50 people. Wallahi, five years later, 20 lines. Masjid was half full for Fajr. Filled with everybody, Malaysians, Turks, Bosnians, British people. The Brits took over, mashallah. They took over. American groups, everybody's visiting. That, if you look at it, is a sign. And so while we realize what's happening, while we protest and demonstrate, while we donate and make dua, we never ever lose hope that Allah Ta'ala is going to get us there. We believe in this. Whether it is now, or whether it is in a little bit, or whether it is much later, it is ours. We ask Allah Ta'ala to restore the Palestinian land to the Palestinians. We ask Allah Ta'ala to always protect Masjid al-Aqsa. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give all of those who have been martyred instant shahada, and that Allah Ta'ala took them with no pain, no difficulty, as the hadith of the Prophet says, that when a martyr is martyred, it is the pain of a mosquito bite. It is nothing. We ask you, O oh Allah, to make things easy for those who have suffered loss. O oh Allah, we ask you, O oh Allah, to allow to allow your protection to be over the people of Gaza and the people of Palestine. O oh Allah, we ask you, O oh Allah, to dismantle the systems that are attacking them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant them safety. O oh Allah, we ask you to remove the fear in their hearts, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to let the tears of the children stop, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to allow the children and the families, the women, the elderly, the men, and everybody there, Ya Allah, to be safe, Ya Allah, Ya Rahman Rahimin. O oh Allah, we beseech you, Ya Allah. There's nobody that we can ask except for you, Ya Allah. We ask you, Ya Rabbil Alameen, to please, Ya Allah, please grant your safety and protection to them, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to allow us to be a source of relief for them, Ya Allah. Allow our donations to get to them, Ya Allah. Allow our du'as to help them, Ya Allah. Allow our thoughts and our advocacy to reach them, Ya Allah. Allow us to be a voice for the voices, Ya Rahman Rahimin. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, by your divine wisdom and your infinite mercy, O oh Allah, to allow this situation, Ya Allah, to be resolved. O oh Allah, we ask you, O oh Allah, to give them victory, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant them victory, Ya Allah. Our Palestinian brothers and sisters, Ya Rahman Rahimin. O oh Allah, please protect them. Please grant them your aid and victory, Ya Allah. And allow this to be a moment of turning the tide, Ya Allah, for that area, for the entirety of the Muslims, and for all those who have suffered, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Subhanakallahu bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka. Wa natubu ilayk. Jazakumullah khairan, everybody. Barakallahu feekum. Uh, we have our Isha prayer here in just about 10 minutes in the Musalla. So I wanted to ask, inshallah, everybody to help out. Uh, if we could have the backjacks put up here along the wall. If we could have the chairs, if you sat on one, to fold it. And we'll have some of the volunteers bring in the dollies, inshallah. Humayun will lead that. Bidnillah. Um, and then if you have any garbage or see any garbage, if you could toss it, we'd really, really appreciate it, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. We'll see you guys next Monday. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.